Thank you for joining us today. We're excited you came across this message. The sermon you're about to watch is from our series, Life Marks, Evidence of a Life with Jesus. At Hope, we exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. This series is designed to help you do exactly that. If you're joining us for the first time, I wanna be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. Once again, thanks for joining us today. Amen, amen. Well, good morning, Hope Church family. How are we doing today? Amen. Go ahead and grab your Bible and open it to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Hopefully you brought a Bible, maybe physically, or you have an app with the Bible on it. Hopefully you brought that today, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. got to be honest, there's a lot of work we have to do before we get to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We are going to get there eventually, but uh, there's a lot of work that we have to do and, and a lot of unpacking of some things as we begin this brand new year as a church family. And I'm going to go ahead and ask in a room full of people, if you would be so bold, if you're somebody that makes New Year's resolutions, would you just go ahead and raise your hand loud and proud, okay? There's like three people in the whole building I am one of them, okay? I'll just let it, let it out. Like, I am a fan of New Year's resolutions. Call them goals. Call them aspirations. I do it every year. I love it. But even if you don't, which it sounds like 98% of this room doesn't, uh, it's still the air we breathe. People all over your life, maybe even some of you who are a little too embarrassed to raise your hand, you have a, a vision for your 2024, a, a mission that you'd like to see accomplished, a way to say it when it comes to New Year's resolutions is you have hope for a preferred future. <laughs> I wanna do this differently or I wanna start to do this. And I thought because it's the air we breathe right now, we could just start the, the new year in a sermon to talk about and remind you that as a church, we have a vision or a mission, something that we're saying that is our preferred future. This is what we'd like to see accomplished. A mission reminds you of why you exist. And when our church was founded 22 years ago, going on 23 years ago, our founding pastor, Vance Pittman, and the team that, that came here to plant this church, they, they took all of the things that we see in the scriptures, namely the mandate we have to make disciples, and they put together a mission statement that hopefully, unless this is your first day, you've heard at some point in your hope journey. Even if it's your first day, we've already said it in this service. This is our mission as a church. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. I hope if you're a part of the Hope family that, that as you start to even hear that being said, you can finish the sentence. That's why we put it all over our building and we say it numerous times throughout our service. That is our hope for a preferred future. This is what we're hoping to do, seeking to do by his grace, connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. Well, the question you have to ask is, well, what does a Jesus follower look like? Well, hopefully the person you're following is, is what your life will start to emulate, what your life will start to look like. And so to understand what it means to live the life of a Jesus follower, you have to look at how Jesus lived his life. And I'm just going to push pause for just a moment. And if you've been here for three years or more, this is going to be a very healthy and helpful reminder for you in your faith. If you have joined us in the last three years, I'm about to turn on the fire hose and give you some information that we're going to unpack later on this fall. There's a whole bunch of great stuff that we're going to unpack when it comes to living the life of a Jesus follower later on this fall. But right now, I'm about to give it to you all in about five minutes, okay? This is the cliff notes of a really good book that we're all going to read later on this year. 
But when you're asking the question, what does it mean to follow Jesus? You have to ask this question. What did Jesus's life look like? That's what Pastor Vance and the other founding pastors of our church did 23 years ago. They said, if we're existing, connect people to live a life of Jesus follower, what did Jesus's life look like? And, and they, they actually started to study his life. You can look at Jesus's life if you're new to the Bible in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're called the Gospels. First four books of the New Testament. That's where we follow Jesus around and get to see how he lived his life. And as you do that, you actually start to see that, that Jesus lived his life with very specific relationships intact. In fact, the original founding pastors of our church actually took three mental buckets and said, you can actually take all of the stories of the first four books of the New Testament, all of Jesus' life in the scriptures, and you could actually take every single story and put it in one of three big buckets. The first bucket is Jesus' relationship with the Father. As you're reading the New Testament, specifically Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how many times do you see Jesus just peeling off and leaving the people he was with? Why? To go spend time in the desert with his Father. To go pray, to get up before anyone else got up and go invest in his relationship with the Father. But it wasn't just that relationship. See, you could also take a bunch of stories and place them in this big bucket which is Jesus' relationship with the disciples. Jesus' relationship with the people that were following him. So whether that's on a, a seashore or in a boat or up in an upper room, we see all these times where Jesus is interacting with these people who are following him, his disciples. But it wasn't just Jesus' relationship with the Father or Jesus' relationship with the disciples. Jesus also had a relationship with people who did not know God at all. You see him talking to a woman at the well far from God or, or Zacchaeus or, or people who have been attacked by intense spiritual warfare. Jesus had all these relationships. So as we go to follow Jesus, the question that we've been asking for over two decades as a church is if that's what Jesus's life looked like then, what do we think Jesus's life will look like now as he lives his life in and through us? And the answer is, because he does not change, it should actually look the same. As followers of Jesus, we should have a relationship with God and a relationship with the followers of God and a relationship with the people that don't know God at all. That's what the life of a Jesus follower looks like. In fact, you may hear us say often here, the life of a Jesus follower is all about relationships. In fact, we've highlighted three key words to describe these three relationships. Hopefully these aren't new to you. If you've been coming to Hope for any length of time, more than a couple weeks, we intentionally say these words often to try to remind us of what our lives as Jesus followers should look like. Here are the three words. Abide, connect, share. We use the word abide to describe that, that relationship that we have with God. A Jesus follower abides in Christ. The word connect is, is the key word for our relationship with other believers. A, a, a Jesus follower connects in community. You were never meant to do the Christian life alone. You connect in community. But then also share. It's about our relationship with the people that don't know God at all. A Jesus follower shares in the mission. Now, like I said, later on this fall, we're going to take several weeks to unpack the richness of what it looks like to live the life of a Jesus follower. But if all that makes sense so far, would you just say amen? Amen. So why on earth did I start the New Year's sermon, our first weekend as a church in 2024, this way? Because you have to have a baseline understanding of this 
to know where we're headed in the heart of this series and really where we're headed this year. See, several years ago, the lead team of pastors at Hope began to really dig deep into these three relationships in a Jesus follower's life. A relationship with God, with other believers, and a relationship with the people that don't know God at all. And they began to ask this question. What would it look like practically, like on the ground, if somebody were really to be a person who abides in Christ, connects in community, and shares in the mission? Like what would it look like Tuesday in the cubicle at work or driving down the 215 when somebody cuts you off or, or early morning with just that little lamp and that cup of coffee? What does it look like practically in the life of a Jesus follower for these things to be lived out? Specifically, what is the evidence of somebody being with Jesus, following Jesus? And here's what they discovered and where I want to lean into very hard this morning. I believe this statement with all my heart. Becoming the kind of people who abide in Christ, connect in community, and share in the mission will result in certain things that mark our lives. For truly becoming the kind of people that abide in Christ, connect in community, and share in the mission, there will be certain things that mark our lives. Now, of course, you could have a, a bunch of things that you would say mark the life of a Jesus follower. But at Hope, we've, we've taken 15 qualities and characteristics that we've said, man, these will be life marks. That's the name of our series. Evidence of a life with Jesus. You show me somebody who's really abiding in Christ, connecting, communing, sharing in the mission. I'll show you somebody that has some life marks in their lives. Some evidence of being with Jesus. Let me try to illustrate this with something you might be able to get your head around. I'm unashamed about it. If you're new, you don't know this, but you will right now. I am a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan, okay? Let's go. Haters gonna hate. Haters gonna hate. I've always been. I've always been. My whole life, since I was like five years old, back in those glorious 90s of the Dallas Cowboys. I love the Dallas Cowboys. Now, what that means is you could follow me around probably for just a couple days and you could see some evidence that I'm a follower of the Dallas Cowboys. Like you could come home with me later on this, this afternoon and you could look in my closet and I have jerseys of, of current players but also past players. Why? Because I'm a fan. There's some marks of my followership of the Dallas Cowboys, not just jerseys. I have shirts and hats and beanies and, and, and slippers that I wear around my house that are all decked out in Cowboys. In fact, just for today, I wore my Dallas Cowboys socks. I don't always wear those to preach, but I did today because I'm a follower, okay? I got coffee cups. And, and in fact, I'm actually, I'm actually raising up some Dallas Cowboys disciples in my home. <laughs> My girls hadn't quite got there, but my two boys are fully in. Jerseys on. We'll be ready at 125 today as we kick off against the commanders, okay? We're fans. By the way, that means I've also raised up all the depression and disappointment that comes with being a Cowboy fan. My sons are looking at me at the end of every single season that they've, they've lived so far, and they're like, that's it? I'm like, that's it? <laughs> that's the life of a Cowboy fan right around this January season. We know we're in the beginning of the end. <laughs> But we all understand this. this. This is evidence. You can follow me around for just a little bit and go, man, this guy loves the Dallas Cowboys. Now, let's just say I said, man, I'm a passionate, diehard fan of the Dallas Cowboys, but I didn't know who their quarterback was. 
Or let's say you say, hey, how are the Cowboys doing this year? And I said, I actually don't really know. I don't, I don't know their record. Or, Scott, who do they play this week? Uh, I don't know. When do they play this week? I'm not sure. Let me check. If I started, if I started, I don't know what you said, but praise God. Uh, <laughs> if I started giving you all these reasons that I don't know much about the Cowboys, you might be right to say this. I'm not sure Scott's actually a fan or a follower of the Dallas Cowboys. Why? Because there's no evidence of it. This is what I want us to lean into. Listen, as followers of Jesus, becoming the kind of people who abide in Christ, connect in community, and share in the mission will result in certain things that mark our lives. So how does this look? How this looks is at the beginning of the next several years, we're going to be in this Life Marks series. And what we have as a pastoral team has identified three life marks for every year for the next few years. One from each of those three relationships in the life of Jesus follower, a life mark for our abiding relationship with Christ, a life mark for our connecting relationship with other believers, and a life mark for our sharing relationship with the world. And we're going to lean into those in every area of ministry. The reason we're starting the year this way is I hope throughout the year, no matter what area of ministry you serve or serves you, or you see all over not only our campus and signage and all that stuff, but all over the ministries of Hope Church for 2024, you will see these things celebrated and highlighted. Why? Because we're saying, hey, if we're becoming the kind of people that abide in Christ, connect in community, and share in the mission, these things will mark our lives. So we'll take three life marks every year over the next four or five years to show you what does it look like, evidence of being with Jesus. So here are the life marks for 2024 in our abiding relationship with God. Something that should mark our lives is loving and living in God's word. Pursuing time in, under, and around the word of God. This is, this is evidence of somebody who is following Jesus. There will be a love and, and a spending time in God's word. And in our connecting relationship with one another. Uh, something that should mark my life, mark your life, is serving your Church, meeting the needs of others by the way God has gifted me. That's not what you hear. This isn't burden. This is just evidence. Evidence that somebody is walking out that, that connecting relationship with other followers of Jesus as they will use their gifts and abilities and time to serve the body of Christ right here called Hope Church. And our share relationship, the people that don't know God at all, uh, something that should mark our lives is being able to share our story preparing and living ready to share the gospel and how Jesus has changed your life. So what do we want to do? We want to equip our church this year, every single person in here, every single person that makes up Hope Church to be able to share their story and introduce people to Jesus. Listen, I hope you're, you're not just bringing people to hear me tell them about Jesus. You're telling them about Jesus in the cubicle next to you. You're telling them about Jesus as you live life with them. Why? Because you're sharing in the mission. We want to equip. That's evidence that we are walking out the life of a Jesus follower. So we'll unpack those over the next several weeks and you'll see those highlighted all throughout our church all year long. But here's this week's life mark. We're gonna spend the next 20 minutes or so looking at loving and living in God's word. Loving and living in God's word. And you may be here and think, man, why is he so passionate about this? Why does this matter? This is a huge burden for me as the pastor of this church. And I'll give you a couple reasons why before we get to 2 Corinthians 3. Here's a couple reasons why this is such a burden and I really believe this matters. Here's the first one. Too many people 
who claim to follow Jesus don't spend time in God's word. That is a simple and tragic reality. That's why this is not the first sermon you'll hear me teach on the word of God. It definitely is not the last sermon. As long as I have the privilege of being the pastor of this church, which I hope is many, many, many years, I will be up here screaming my head off saying that we need to be people of the book. We need to be people leaning into God's word because so many followers of Jesus claim to follow him but never open the word of God. And it's a tragedy. And it's not like we don't have access to it. We live right now in a world, not necessarily a world, there are places in the world that do not have access to the scriptures, but not the United States of America. Right now, you all probably have in your pocket every single version that's ever been created of God's word, thousands of plans to help you interact and spend time in God's word. We have more access than ever before to the word of God, and yet still so few followers of Jesus read it and let God speak to them through it. So we're going to be a broken record. We want to be people that love and live in God's inspired, inerrant, holy word. Listen, we're not worshiping this book, but this is primarily how he speaks to us. So we're going to ask him to do it. We're going to open it up. We're going to challenge and encourage us to be people of the book. George Gallup said it very challengingly. He said, we revere the Bible, but don't read it. It is the best-selling least read book in America. It's true. It's a burden of mine that too many followers of Jesus, too many people who say, I'm a follower, don't spend time in God's word. But there's a second reason this really matters. We are all being formed into something. We are all being formed into something. Here's the deal. We become what we behold. This isn't even a spiritual principle, church. Whatever you lean into, whatever you give your time, attention, money, whatever you behold, you become like that thing. So we want to be people that are becoming more and more like Jesus as he transforms our lives. See, that's what's happening in the world. People aren't spending time with God. We're being deformed by the world around us rather than transformed by the word of God that we have. This is what we see all around our world. Listen, if we read all of the same books, we, we watch all the same shows, we listen to all the same music and never open up the word of God that can transform us, is it any wonder that so many followers of Jesus start to look more and more like the society around us rather than the Savior in us? This is true. And so many followers of Jesus don't tap in. That's not God's will for you. Let me show you God's will for you. Hopefully you have 2 Corinthians 3 open right there. This is, this is God's will for you and I as followers of Jesus. I've read this scripture now probably 10 times in the last six months because I, I want you to get it. I want us to get it. Here's God's will. And we all, with unveiled face, here's that word, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, from one degree of glory to another. But this comes from the Lord who is spirit. I said this several times over the last six months. One degree by one degree by one degree makes you unrecognizable in 10 years. If we become what we behold, let's be people like this verse says, beholding the glory of the Lord. How do you behold the glory of the Lord? One way is to get your face in the book. One way is to ask him to speak as you open heart ready. One degree by one degree, we are transformed. This is what we want to see. 
I love how Donald Whitney said it very plain. If you want to be changed, if you want to become more like Jesus, discipline yourself to read the Bible. So that's what I want to press into for the next several minutes. I want to give us three realities of Jesus' followers and God's word. Three realities of Jesus' followers and God's word. I'm just going to give a disclaimer. I don't think any of these are going to blow your mind. Specifically, you've been in church for any length of time. These are not going to be mind-blowing truths. But see, that's part of our problem. Some of us have been in church for so long, we know a whole lot that we haven't practically applied to our lives. And so we just start knowing some things, but we're not growing and we're getting disillusioned and frustrated. Here's the prayer, that we would start to take the things that we know, apply it to our lives, and then we'll actually start to grow. So maybe you've heard what I'm about to say 999 times. Here's what I'm praying. I've been praying all weekend. That the thousandth time is the time you actually start to live it out and he starts to change your life. So three realities. Here's the first one. Jesus followers love God's word. Told you it wasn't going to blow your mind. (laughs) Jesus followers love God's word. All throughout history, we see this with the people of God, a love for his word and a desire to spend time in it. I want to show you a couple from from the book of Psalms. Look at Psalm 119, longest chapter in the Bible, primarily about the word of God. Look at Psalm 119, verse 97. Such passion and zeal. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Psalm 19, verse 10. This is written by David, the, the giant slayer that many of you have heard of. Listen to this vivid language he uses talking about the words of God. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. I know what some of you are thinking. That sounds a little intense. That's a little too much, Scott. I mean, I love Jesus and all, but like more to be desired than gold. I want some gold. Right? That's what I thought. Be honest with you, that's what I thought. I started following Jesus 20 years ago. For the first couple years of my walk with Christ, I, I didn't spend time in God's word. But thank God, I had, a, I had a youth group leader that in a good and godly, healthy way challenged me one day. He said, Scott, if you want to grow in your faith, discipline yourself to read the Bible. And I'm always up for a good challenge, and so I took him up on it. And it was discipline. Some of you guys are feeling that right now. You're like, I've tried. I don't really understand. There's a lot here. It was discipline at first. But I'm telling you, because God is faithful and his word is true, my discipline eventually became my delight. And when I read verses like we just read in the Psalms, they don't seem so strange anymore. Because there really is a love for God's word. Not because I'm so holy, but because he is so faithful. And time and time again, as I approached his word and discipline, he changed my heart to delight in what he says. And I truly do look at this word as so good now. There's probably testimonies all over this room like that. But some of you are like I was at 18. And your first step is discipline yourself, Bible open, heart ready to be changed. Maybe that's your next step after today. Listen. Followers of Jesus, we love God's word. We don't just love God's word. Jesus' followers live in God's word. We live in God's word. To show you this, I want to turn your attention to John chapter 8, verse 31. John 8, verse 31, here's what it says. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, this is Jesus talking, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. 
Last spring, we did a series about what it looks like to really be disciples of Jesus. And what we said is that that word disciple could be translated apprentices. I love that language. As we apprentice under Jesus, as we are followers, disciples of Jesus, he said, if that's true of you, you will be people who abide in my word. That word abide could mean dwell in or, or, or make our home in or live in. Jesus' followers live in the word of God. Can I ask a question of evaluation that, that we have to wrestle with as we let the word of God bear weight on our lives? Would that be an accurate way to describe your Christian life right now? You're somebody who lives in God's word. Sometimes we need somebody to help us. Maybe later on today you could ask your family, do you think I live a life that could be characterized as making my home in God's word? Because we, we live in a world that will give us a thousand different things to make our home in or live in. Maybe you can relate to some things that, that I've experienced. Have you guys ever went to watch one show on Netflix and next thing you know you come out of the show hole five episodes later and go, what happened? They literally call it a show hole. Why? Because that little autoplay button, it's like, I got to know what happens in that show. Next thing you know, five hours later, what have I done? I have lived and made my home in Netflix for just a bit. That happens. Or maybe for you, it's, it's the ESPN app. I know there's games going on right now. Some of you are like, is he looking at my screen? No, I just know how it is. There's a lot of big games on the line today. Praise God, the Cowboys play at 125, not now. <laughs> We can live, right? These are, these are real life examples. You, can, you could be somebody who is characterized by making your home in sports app. Or, or guess what? We're here, 2024, election year. Yay! There's going to be a whole lot of people and a whole lot of networks constantly asking you to live on their platform and listen to their rhetoric. And if we're not careful, we actually will. And we'll spend far more time listening to political ideology rather than getting in the word of God. Social media, video games. Listen, none of these things are bad. These can all be gifts and good things. And we actually should care about some of these things. But it's not what we're called to make our home in, to live in. Jesus followers love the word of God. Jesus followers live in the word of God. These are things that mark our lives. I know some of you may be thinking, I got it. But <laughs> is there anything in it for me? <laughs> yes. That's my third and final point. Jesus' followers benefit from God's word. Yes, we should love it. Yes, we should live in it. But we also benefit from it. That's how God is so good and gracious. He allows us to, to benefit from this incredible gift he's given us. For this, I want you to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. We're going to spend the rest of our time in 2 Timothy 3. If you have your Bible, flip over to it. We've actually preached on this verse over the last several years, at least once a year, because it's so applicable and practical. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, here's what it says. All Scripture is breathed out by God and, and profitable. Say that word out loud one more time. It's, it's what? Profitable. Say it again. It's what? Profitable. Like we just got told by the Word of God. You have a prophet here. Everyone's like, I like the word prophet. Yeah, it's right here, available, breathed out by God, given, literally given to us by God. This isn't just a book. This is God's book, breathed out by God and is profitable. It's useful. 
part of the problem is so many Christians just think, because I don't understand it, this book is old and dead and, and full of a bunch of old pithy sayings. It's actually the exact opposite of what the Bible says about itself. It's not old and dead. It's alive and active. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. Some of you have heard this. I love the New Living Translation. For the word of God is alive and powerful. Again, like just that right there. You have access right now in your hands for something that's alive and powerful. Sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. Listen to this. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Whoa. Like there's nobody on the planet that can do that in your life. Not your best friend, not your mom and dad, not even your spouse. Listen, Candace Worthington knows me better than any person on the planet. She can't do that. Expose my innermost thoughts and desires. But here's what I know. The spirit of God can take the word of God and do that every single day in my life. It's beneficial. It's, it's profitable. This isn't the newest New York Times bestseller. This isn't Shakespeare. This isn't Harry Potter. This is the living and active word of God. In fact, you can read this every single day until the day you die and it will never stop speaking. And it's right here, available. So as we round third, it's profitable. How's it profitable? Well, this verse gives us several ways that I just want to highlight. It's profitable first for, for teaching. This is a word that simply means instruction, doctrine, truth. There's a word that gets beat up a lot in our culture. What is truth? Well, the word of God just said it is truth. Matter of fact, Jesus says in John chapter 17, sanctify with them, them with the truth. Your word is truth. Listen, in a world that throws a thousand lies at you and wants to say truth is relative, it is not relative, Hope Church. Jesus gave us the truth and it's his word. And we can actually use the truth to combat the lies that are being thrown at us from a million different directions every single day. Problem is, if you're not opening it up, how are you combating the lies? That's what John Piper said in a stinging quote. Satan devotes 168 hours per week to deceiving you. If you're doing the math, that's every single hour. How can we possibly combat that without countering it with time in the word of God? It's truth. We don't just benefit from the teaching of God's word and truth. Let's look at the verse again. It's profitable for reproof. Reproof is a word that means to, to convince of error. Another way to say it is God's word calls us out. And let's be honest, that's one of the reasons people don't like to read the Bible. <laughs> like, I know what it says and I know what I'm doing and I just want to kind of live my life. Don't tell me what I'm doing wrong. The problem is it's good to know what you're doing wrong. Because there's things that, that God will poignantly say, this is not my will for you. And some of us are, are living lives over here thinking that we're, we're living out our best life. But God's saying, my best life is over here. And I want to help you because you've got some things that are infecting your life that my word can help you see and remove. I'll illustrate it this way. I've used this illustration before, but it begs repeating. I have such wimpy hands, okay? Like I'm, I'm such a wimp when it comes to my hands. And so if I ever get a splinter in my hand... I hate it because I know I'm going to have to go to my wife and she's going to have to take those evil tweezers and get all up in my finger. And it's going to hurt. But if you ever got a splinter, you can actually live life a little bit with the splinter in your finger. And until you snag it on something. And then you remember that it's there and it hurts. Or worse, it never gets snagged on something. But 
all of a sudden your finger starts to hurt because it's become infected. So even though it hurts, what do I do? I go to my wife and I say, get the splinter out. And she gets those tweezers in there and she pulls. And in the moment I'm thinking, why do you hate me? She doesn't hate me. She's getting that thing out of my life that is not good for me. This is reproof. This is what God's word does when it corrects us and convinces us of error. It's God saying, listen, don't hurt yourself. There are things in your life that are not my will for you. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna take those heavenly tweezers and I'm gonna get them out of your life because it's not how I intended for you to live. And if you've been following Jesus for any length of time, you know what that's like. I mean, like this week, I'm, I'm reading the word of God and being convicted by the spirit of God and the way you handled that situation, Scott, the way you talk to your kids, the things you thought, listen, what is this? In the moment, Bible open, heart ready, God's gracious tweezers in my life, getting those things out that aren't meant to be there. But he doesn't just leave us there. Look at the verse. It's profitable for reproof, but also for correction. Correction is a, a word that means to set straight. So praise God, he doesn't just tell me what's wrong all the time. He also shows me what's right. It's like a good coach. A bad coach just says, nope, don't do that. Nope, don't do that. That's wrong, that's wrong. No, that's a terrible coach. A good coach says, not this, this. So Scott, don't do this to, to hurt yourself. Do this instead to help yourself. This is what the word of God does for us. It's truth that we can stand on. It calls us out when we needed it. It helps us and corrects us to show us the way. And it continues at the end of verse 16. It's profitable for Training in righteousness. This is so good. The word of God trains us for what? Righteousness. That's how we continue to, to work out what is already true of us positionally, practically. He, he helps us work that out by what? By getting in the word and being trained. So we have the, the word of God that sets the standard for truth. It, it calls us out. It corrects us. It, it guides us. You see why it's such a tragedy? That so many followers of Jesus don't open the book. Because every single one of us have access to it. Every single one of us can right now open that app and get a Bible plan that will help you start to walk this out. Or you take your Bible to church, but that's the only time you open it. Listen, hear my heart. What we're talking about today will not happen in a 40-minute sermon at church. Listen, we're going to always proclaim the word of God. But if this is the only time you're interacting with the word of God, you're missing out on what he has for you. So I'm challenging and encouraging our church. Get in the word of God. Some people may be here and say, well, man, I, I hear you, but I just don't have time. Listen, we make time for what we treasure. And I'm begging you by God's grace to treasure the word of God. Take 15 minutes a day before you head to the office, before the kids wake up and open the word of God and say, Lord, speak. Because I want to be somebody who loves your word and lives in your word. And, and I know I can benefit from your word. Because listen, God is doing something in the slow but consistent day by day from one degree of glory to the next minutes as you approach his word, Bible open, heart ready, speak, Lord. In fact, the next verse in 2 Timothy 3 shows us what he's doing. Look at it. That the man of God may be complete, 
equipped for every good work. That word that right there is a conjunction. It, 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 it's drawing back to say this is the purpose of what I just said. Well, what did he just say? Everything we studied in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all the ways that we benefit from God's word. Why did all that happen? That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Here's the question. If you are a follower of Jesus that does not spend time in God's word, you do not take that time to, to live in God's word and, and receive the benefits. The question we have to ask is how will you then be made complete and equipped for every good work? And the sobering reality is you won't. And this is why so many followers of Jesus are disillusioned and frustrated and maybe even annoyed at some of the talk they hear in church. When we talk about our faith being, giving you abundance of joy, fullness of joy and life everlasting, you're going, man, I'm not experiencing that in my Christian life. But our Bible is closed and we're not experiencing that because we're not being trained for righteousness through the word of God and being equipped for every good work. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. It's something that marks your life. That's why I love how Jerry Bridges said it. It is impossible to practice godliness without a constant, consistent, and balanced intake of the word of God in our lives. Listen, for 20 years now, by God's grace, not perfectly by any means, but I've tried to approach my day, Bible open, heart ready. I'm telling you, I'm a different person today because of that practice. Listen, not because I'm a pastor or because I got special skills. No, Bible open, heart ready. God, you said your word is powerful, can expose the innermost thoughts and desires of my heart. And for 20 years, one degree by one degree by one degree, he'll change you. But first we gotta, we gotta do the work of opening it up. We gotta be people who love and live in the word of God. So how? How does this look like practically in our lives? I'll give you three quick things. First one is simply this, daily time in the word. 15 minutes. We call it God time. If you've never opened the scriptures as a regular practice in your life, I encourage you, make that one of your New Year's resolutions. Even if you're not a resolution maker, make that one. If you don't know where to read, start in the Gospel of Mark. If you want to read some more things, email me. I could give you tons of ways to interact with Scripture. Daily time in the Word. I'll never forget a couple years ago, maybe it was a year and a half ago or so, a lady stopped me in the lobby, and I'm sure she was in one of the services this weekend. She said, hey, I want to thank you. You said something six months ago that changed my life. And I'm thinking, man, this is going to be a powerful statement. She said, you put on the screen this, these words, read your Bible. I thought, man, I, Okay. She said, you know why it's powerful? Because the next day I started and it's been six months and God's radically changed my life. Yes, more of that. More of that. Read your Bible. See him change you. Daily time in the word. But also, it's not just daily time individually. Also weekly time under the word. What's that? We're doing that right now. Every single time you come together with your church family, we're going to herald the word of God. And I want you to not just be listening to some preacher talk. Interact with it. Bring your Bible. Underline those things. Open the app. Make notes. This is us being under the word. 
By the way, there's a reason I'm sitting over there even when I'm not preaching unless I'm out of town. I'm under the word too. I want to be preached at by the word of God so that it can change me even right here in this worship center. Daily time in the word. Weekly time under the word. And lastly, consistent fellowship around the word. You can't do the Christian life alone, oh church. So what does this look like? You bring your Bible, you get a group of people, you get some chips and guac and talk about how God's changing you with the word of God. That's what community looks like. Or maybe at a coffee shop before you go to work, you and seven guys get together, Bible's open, having conversation about how God's using it to change you. Consistent time around the word with other followers of Jesus. Listen, a mark, an evidence of somebody who is truly abiding in Christ. It will be that they love and live in God's word. As you look at this list, what's the area that you say, that's the one I need to lean into this year? If you're a follower of Jesus, like that's your response from this message. Where do you need to lean into a little bit more as you become the kind of person that loves and lives in God's word? May that be your resolution as we begin this new year. And we're going to continue to, to pop the balloon up about loving and living in God's word. And we'll talk about a couple more life marks in the next couple weeks. Let's pray. God, you are good to us. We are thankful. Thankful for this church. Thankful for your word. Thankful for what you do by your spirit as we gather. Pray right now as we respond. Lord, you'd go before us. Guide and lead this time for your glory. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, my simple ask of you is, where's God pricking your heart that you need to take a step in your abiding relationship with Jesus? Maybe it was just as simple as those practical ways we get involved with God's word in our lives. And this week you would say, Lord, by your grace, I'm in. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, we're so grateful you're here. The Bible, the word of God that we've been talking about all day, it tells this beautiful story. But it also tells some bad news that you and I are separated from our relationship with Jesus because of our sin. But this amazing book tells the redemptive story of a God who loved you so much. He came to this earth to die on the cross for all of your sin. To be raised again three days later to defeat death itself. You stand ready right now to, to save you, to begin a friendship with you just like you were created for. It's all in this book. We'd love to take that book and show you what it looks like to follow Jesus. When we stand to sing in just a minute, if you're somebody who doesn't know Christ but wants to know more about what it looks like to follow him, come down to, to myself or one of the people up here. We'd love to show you what it looks like to follow Jesus. For everybody else in the room, let's respond however the Lord would lead as we begin this new year together as a church. So Jesus, have your way. Holy Spirit, speak, and would we all listen in obedience for your glory, for our good. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and let's respond together as he leads.